Welcome to the Upstaging Gentlemen Podcast. This is Michael with Play With Your Food Productions. Nathan Prince from Legendary Productions. And I uh, would like to thank you for listening today. So we got a topic from a listener today, Nathan, that asks, what do you do when you have lead actors or cast members that don't get along with each other? Um, <laughs> at, at first, that's like almost a simple question, but I... You know, the more you think about that one, you're directing, you're producing, that really goes pretty far. I mean, that that affects your whole environment that you're trying to create. That that literally can affect everything you do. I mean, at first you're just like, oh, well, maybe that's just like a type of a weird little amateurish behavior type thing. Mm. Call them aside, settle it, good, podcast over. But when you think about everything that that could possibly effect. And this is almost, um, you know, just an encouragement to actors when you're, you're out there about bringing in, first of all, your, not just your A game and your performance, but um, your best, I don't know, behavior, your best support to your other actors. Um, You know, it's kind of what we've been saying from the beginning, put your differences aside (coughs) there. And I I know you got some thoughts on this too. So, um, Jump in there. I do. It's it's a scary. Yeah. That's a scary question. At first, like you said, it's easy. Yeah. Have a tickle party. Ha <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Um. No, but no, but really though, it's it's a very that's a very complex question because as a director, when you're casting a show, you are looking for part of that. It's not just their talent. You're looking at chemistry. That's why callbacks for me are so important. At callbacks, I watch how people engage, how they support each other. How do they play off each other? What are they doing while the other person is performing? Are they respecting them? Are they in their own world? Are they engaging? Are they taking, um, getting perspective on how to do it, how they would do it? So I kind of watch that from the callbacks. And then I'm very clear at callbacks and at orientation, very clear. And you could ask anyone that's done a show with me, probably ever. I say right away, this is an ensemble piece. You may be the bigger role or quote unquote the lead, but you're not a lead without the rest of the cast, production team, the entirety of the ensemble. So I tell people right out of the gates what to expect or what I expect as far as you're, you may have more lines, but you are an ensemble. You're an ensemble piece. Even a one-man show takes an ensemble, the production team, the sound guy, the lighting guy, or technicians, or girl, or the stage crew moving scenery. Um it's not just a one man show. It takes a, it takes a, it takes a village. So I think I set that standard as directors listening to producers and even actors listening right now or actresses. Don't forget that it takes a village because the reality of it is, and this is maybe harsh, but we're all replaceable. You may be amazing at your role, but we all are replaceable. And this isn't a threat, but even up until opening you're replaceable. And even after that, you're replaceable. Someone will have to come in. The show may maybe not as good, but the chemistry will be just as good, if not better, with the relationship. And I think that's so important as you come in as as lead or production team to remember you really are replaceable. It's not saying that you're not valuable or talented, but I think it's good to remind ourselves that it takes a village. One of the things that I I, I think the the actors, at least you know, for for me have to you know if they're coming into my if they're coming in to play with your food to do a show it's like the audience is so important yes. to me yep. like it is every like 
if an audience yeah. member tells me that they didn't have a good experience, that will crush me. Yeah. I mean, that's like, and, and it can be, you know, hundreds of them have a great time, but one of them comes up to me and I didn't like it. This wasn't good. This wasn't your best one. Um, it's crushing. And, and it is literally that creative environment. You, you have to have a good creative environment because if you don't, that is going to spill over onto the audience at some point. And so the audience is either going to feel a very positive energy. They're going to have a good time or there's going to be negativity in the room. Well, and, and I can tell you that our goal, Steve and I talked about this, and we mentioned this in other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Our goal is for the audience to walk away going, wow, that cast was so connected. That cast really was invested in the show. There was such a team up there. You could tell they're having fun together. They were creating together. And if you come in with a diva or devo type attitude, you lost the audience. And your job as a performer is to hold the audience, draw them into the production. So you're really not doing yourself any justice by not being connected or team player. Yeah, and you know, I think I think it's the audience the the question that the actors got to ask themselves because I'm certainly going to ask it. Like, why are you here? Right? Are you here just for a good time? And when it stops to be a good time, you're you're going to bail on us? Are you here for? uh, And if your answer is um, anything but, I'm I'm here for your audience. We're we're going to have a problem because I am there to give the audience the best show that I can possibly give them. Yep. If you're acting with me, you need to have that same uh, yeah. thing in mind right there. So if it's, I'm, I'm coming in just so I, cause I want it to be fun or I, I want this for me. I want this for me. A, a good part of it better had be because you, you want to give something to the audience. Well, and that's the whole thing we talked about as far as that's what Bowser for thanking the audience. Like you're talking about giving them the show. At the end, it's not for our own ego to bow. It's to say, thank you so much for being here, supporting us as a team, as a unit. And I think, as you said, if you're not there for that, you really need a question. If it's for your own ego, then you really should do sidewalk performing on your own where no one's around and then people just walk by seeing you perform because it doesn't take a team there. And I I also, I think it's so, it's devastating when that happens, when people come in and don't get along. Yes, we all come from different walks of life, but we've talked about this so much. Unity through art. Come in here. Forget about your personal beliefs, your own system. Come in here and just focus on the show. Because the director, the producers, the whole team are trying to put this this show together and have good chemistry and this good quality. And it doesn't work if someone's trying to sabotage you. And everybody comes in with a different personality type. And, oh, yeah. and, and you know what? It may not even be a religious belief. It may not be a political thing. It just may be that you've got a personality conflict that you, yep. and, and that <clears throat> makes it so hard when you're trying to create, because if you've got one person over here and, and you're up there doing your thing, you're singing your big solo and you're just imagining, Oh, I got these uh, two people in the back that are just like, huh. Hope their voice cracks. I hope, and they're li- literally wishing bad things on you. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe I, I would say if you're in a theater and and you don't have that issue, y- you are very fortunate because yeah. there's many <clears throat> many that do. Excuse me. And I I say that's that's such an important thing for me. Like, play with your food. I need to keep that out. Um, like. There, there are people that I just cannot let in and not because they're not great people and not because they're not great at their job. Um, but I think that they would be bad for the environment. 
I mean, and, and some of them extremely talented, extremely trustworthy, extremely, extremely good, like number one, but their, their personality just doesn't mesh with us. And that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be great at another theater. And I see them at other theaters and they are great at those right. theaters. It's just with, with mine because of the particular way that we do things. Um, we do things just very backward to play with your food. I think it would drive them nuts anyway to, <laughs> to be there. Um, you know, the most, uh, unprofessional professional theater company you'll you'll find play with, play with your food is true <clears throat> well i don't know about that but it's i will true. <laughs> i believe you <laughs> um but i will say that the the point is though come and be team players guys and realize it takes a team it takes a village it's an ensemble piece and if you don't like each other put it aside for those few hours of rehearsal for the show and give the audience a show they're the ones paying to be there and you're getting the opportunity to perform, which is super exciting. We're lucky that we get to do that. Um, this another question that this person had, it kind of tags into this. It was April Kaysen, by the way. Uh, thanks for the question for reaching out to us. Um, another part of her question was she had two parts. We talked about as performers, what is our some of our most dynamic and fun rules that we've done? Mm-hmm. But what is one of yours, Mike, as a director that you got to see or that you implemented? Or what are some of your favorite moments that you got to be a part of as far as a director goes? I, I would say anytime that there's something that scares me, hmm. that I do it. I mean, you, you know those you know those butterflies that you would get? I mean, everybody will know that we're talking about. You get, you get those butterflies like your first time you perform. And the, there was, you know, after a while, things started to get into routine, and I stopped getting those. And that ever happened to you? It just yeah, becomes 100, 100%. it becomes a routine, and where it's because monotonous. You're like, oh, done this, doing this, done this. Yeah, it's doing like this. You've, you've done this. And I noticed, I started to notice something on the shows that I don't get those. I don't do well. Hmm. Like, I mean, or, or I don't do as well as you know the shows where I have those butterflies. And I think you know maybe it's because I'm not, I'm not scared. I'm not. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just become a little bit monotonous to me. So anytime that I can branch out and try something I've not tried before, it's new, it's scary. It's keeping me up at night. Like I'm like awake in the middle of the night. How am I going to pull this off? Oh man, this is not working right. And what am I going to do here? And still so much to do. Um, Cause you're growing, you're venturing out, you're out of your comfort zone. And I think those are my, my favorite ones right there. When you're trying something new, I, I heard somebody a while ago say this and I've, I've never forgotten it. He was, he was an artist is an artist still. And he, he said to me, it's really profound. Um, he said, a good artist knows their limits and stays within them. A great artist knows their limits and tries to expand beyond them. Mm. And that just always like, you know, hit home. Like, what are your limits? Okay. And now what are you going to try to do to make yourself even better? And you may not hit it the first time, but, um, <laughs> you know, you can hit it eventually, maybe if you keep growing, but, you, you never try to expand beyond your limits. You, you're, ne- you're never going to have the opportunity. Yeah. But how about you? Well, I definitely agree with you. That butterfly thing, as you're even talking about it, they started fluttering around. I'm like, oh, what's going on? It's just a little little bit of like memory of the butterfly feeling. But I, I agree with you. I I think my personal motto has been for since I was really little, do your best, then do better. So it's like you push yourself to do your best. And as soon as you reach your best, you go, nope, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I, 
I will say, most recently, we, we took a show of ours on the road. We did our production at our theater, and then we got hired by a company to come in, perform at their venue. At our venue, we had the character flying. We got to this other venue, and they had a fly system, rigging system. It just It was a beautiful location. Everything was going well. We ran the rehearsal and then we did one production. We had we had the character flying and it was great, safe, everything was awesome. But it just wasn't quite the best. And I basically that night talked to the production team and the tech team and just said, hey, I'm going to cut the flying. I'm going to restage it. We're going to cut it. Because I don't want the audience to walk away going, oh, they tried. I'd rather them walk away going, wow, that was amazing. That was legendary. Look what they did. Then for the audience to go, that was great. They tried. I didn't want that. So it, it goes both ways. Is Sometimes your best things as a director are saying no when things just don't go right. But we tried. We did it. It was successful here in our theater. When we took it on the road, it just didn't work. So I, I have to agree with you, Mike, as far as what you said, pushing the bar every time. In, in our Mamma Mia, we built a pool on stage. We made, we made an ocean shore. Um, we've... We've done fog, rain, fog. We've done actual rain on stage. And I think it's always doing your best and going a step further to make it your new best. And if I do the production again, that standard of my best will be raised a little bit higher to become my new best. And I try to instill that in my kids as well. But in life, I think that's such a good goal to always push. But for me as a director, the best thing I think is seeing people succeed and and be... Yeah, to be successful in their performances and what they do, where they start, where they go, and where they grow to. That's the biggest payoff for me as a director, watching the cast come together at our first orientation. They don't know anything. They're <laughs> they're in their bathing suits. They're not even in wetsuit and flippers yet. And we're, we're, we're not going anywhere. And then we start building, and we're building, and then the tech comes in. Then the orchestra comes in, or whatever the layers in order that your shows build seeing them perform and seeing them come out on stage for the first time, seeing the audience respond to them, watching the audience smile, laugh, point, giggle, cry. That's the biggest payoff for me as a director, I think, would be watching the cast as if it were a graduation ceremony, seeing them just succeed and do well in their element using their gifts. That's such a good payoff. Uh, You're a... I'm sure you said really good stuff in the last two minutes, but now I'm just imagining your whole cast in a bathing suit. Well, if you saw I, the Mamma Mia, that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> so that's easy. Yeah. Um, but you're know, going back to what what you said. So you had to cut out the flying. Yeah. But maybe it didn't work this time. But maybe you get it next time. I have a solution for what will happen next time if we have See, flying. And you wouldn't venue. you wouldn't have even have had the solution if you didn't get to you know this point where you had to cut it. Yep, and I and, agree. And so it's you know it's the the growth right there. And people were upset. They're like, Nathan, don't do that. It's going to be worse. Don't do it. Why'd you cancel a show? Because we weren't legendary. We weren't to the standard of excellence that we should be at. And I didn't cancel the show for that one, but you're right. We tried it there at a new venue that necessarily wasn't built for flying. We adapted and we had riggers come in and make it work. It just did not look right. And then again, I don't want the audience ever to walk away going, oh, they tried. I want to be successful and to be a standard of excellence. But the fact that one audience saw it and we did it. The cast felt like they, they were working towards it. And everyone was really receptible. Is that the right word? Receptive? Receptive. Receptive. Receptive to the change. And afterwards, everyone kept coming up to me. Oh, that was a good move. That looked a lot cleaner. It looked a lot better. We still had all the fog and the effect. And 
it didn't distract from the choreography. All the actors put into the the show that scene, that uh, choreography number, that dance number. It didn't distract. It focused in on what we really needed to follow for the story. Selfishly, I could have been like, "Ha ha ha! We're gonna keep the flying because we're cool." But I, I I put my pride away and said, "Nope, we're done. We're not doing it. We're gonna do our last three shows without it." Who was flying in that show? Uh, it was a Christmas Carol, right? Yeah, Marley. Chris, it was Christmas Carol. It was Marley. Michael Burns. He was so ecstatic about it, loved it, and he was a trooper. And we came in for flying rehearsals and safety calls and went really well. And it went well. It just wasn't the effect that we were going for. So, what, what gave you, and now I'm just curious here, like, what gave you the, I don't know, the idea to have Jacob Marley of, of, of all the characters fly? Um, when he first comes in as a ghost, I thought it'd be really awesome to have him floating above the bed and all the other ghosts dancing around the bed under him uh-huh. and him above on a special light. And then we ground fogged it so much that you could barely see the ghosts, but their costumes glowed or black. They were black lit. So they could glow a little bit dancing under him. It was just such a cool visual to have him above the bed, the bed, and them dancing around, spinning the bed, dancing over the bed with something flying above him. It was really powerful and came out really well. So I'll tell you one. Th- this was probably the last time I did something that like really, really scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, other other than, you know, like – writing writing some of my own scripts and things like this um but even those like you can usually tell those are going to hit or miss or not it's a that's not too much of a gamble but i did one um called lucky luciano's hot vegas nights yeah i remember that and yeah and yeah because i was i was asking for your help on that one yes and the the idea of it was okay we wanted to do a las vegas type variety show and so that we wanted in that variety show, we wanted stand up comedians, we wanted magicians, we wanted um, musical performers, we wanted dancers, you know, ev- everything. And a mafia host, right? Like uh, this. And a, and a mafia host. Yeah. But I also then, you know, I wanted it to be like totally immersive. Like I didn't want the audience to just walk in and be like, hey, we're, we're just, just pretend. Like I really wanted them to walk in to a Las Vegas um, world. And so, you know, we, we created that. The, the, there needed to be some gambling in there, I, mm-hmm. I thought. So um, I bought a couple blackjack tables. Now, I don't know anything about blackjack or gambling, or I don't know about dealing. I cannot shuffle a deck of cards myself, but like, you know, horribly. How am I going to get these? But I kind of went just, you know, like, I don't know, just went out on a limb and bought some blackjack tables. Not not like cheap ones, like literally expensive blackjack, like the, the actual blackjack tables. Um, and so we had a couple of those. And I'm looking around, who can do this? Who can do this? And um, we ended up being able to partner with um, a local casino. And they had some trainees that they were working with. And they even brought in a pit boss. And they brought in these people that they were training. And they literally did the dealing. Um, for these people so that like pre-show they could come in they could play blackjack but um ah we couldn't really you know gamble because that's you know laws against that so figured out some ways around that we had um, a bunch of businesses that would donate prizes to us and so when they would win they could win a token fy that sounded very mafioso we figured out some ways around it. I'm going to tell you something. We figured out a way to do this. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped in my head. Go ahead, um, sorry. But yeah, so you know, we figured so they they could go and exchange their tokens for um, uh, prizes, and we had all kinds of you know great prizes. There's so many people that jumped in and helped. Um, but you know, they walked into a world of 
fog and lighting and and we had actors i i I put the call out to so many actors that i knew to come and dress up and come and role play as uh shut up nathan (laughs) but come and role play as an actor of that time John's not going to edit this, so quit making me laugh. Yeah, sorry. He's going to force this on here. Hey, yeah, saying go, go, go. I said, go for it. I, I knew. Lie. I knew. I, as soon as I, as soon as I said, I'm going to say role play. This is going to be a bad idea. We're not going to recover. The podcast is going to end right here. Okay. So, anyways, well, these actors would come in and and pretend that they were other actors, like we had Audrey Hepburn. Oh yeah, that was cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, we had we had Audrey Hepburn, and we had um, other actors. We even had um, a guy going around. It was uh, Mike Eastman, the you know, performer. He was going around doing magic, mm-hmm. up up close magic, and then he went and did magic on the stage. He's a fantastic magician, right there too, doing all his up close magic. Um, but so they could walk in, they could go, and they could gamble. They could talk to these all these actors, and we had people walking around like as mafia people um you know going around hey how you doing huh what you and and to um enter they had to you know get past these two bouncers it was just it was a fully immersive world um but that was a difficult one to pull off there was a lot to it we were not just putting a show together but we were putting a bunch of improvisation together and you know for for the actors that were going to be talking with the audience members and when the audience members walked in they even dressed up like you know, like they were going to Las Vegas to watch the show. They, they, they came really dressy, and it was a cool night. But th- it was terrifying because there were so many elements to it. It was really expensive. I didn't know if we were going to make money back on it, and I didn't even know if anybody would come to it. Um, we rented out a pretty good sized venue to perform on that, and it was pricey. And we we ended up making a little bit of money back from it. But it was scary the whole way through. It was so expensive. But I now have uh, several blackjack tables. So I should do that show again. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Or I just let's play blackjack one night. Or let's play or let's play blackjack one night. Either so, way. Yeah. So <coughs> what was what was um what was the payoff for that? Since you, you put all that work into it, what what did you feel after you accomplished it? You said you had butterflies. How'd you feel? It was really cool. And I would, I would love to do something like that again. It was, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of work and it had been a long time since I put that much work into something, not knowing if it was going to pay off or not, because it was pretty untraditional. Like that kind of stuff is not done, you know, a a lot in the, the city where I live, you know I mean? They've got the traditional theater and stuff like this, but this was totally just interactive. I mean, we, we weren't announcing, come see this play. It was like, you know, hey, come see this immersive Las Vegas variety show. Was it and a success? Besides the fact of you just accomplishing it, was it? did you attend well? People attend well to it? It did. Yeah, it, it pretty much sold out both nights. That's awesome. And what was, what was cool is, like, you often know what's going to be in a show that you mm-hmm. do. You know what's going to be in it. I had no idea what was going to be in this show. I was booking comedians. And I, I knew, okay, we're going to have this comedian on for 10 minutes, but I didn't necessarily know what he was going to say. Um, I, you know, I, I knew his jokes to make sure that they were, you know, decent. Okay. I, you know, I told him, okay, so these are, you know, this is what you can talk about, you know, things like that. Um, the magician, 
I knew he was going to do magic. I didn't know what tricks he was going to do. And so there, there was a lot of it that, you know, I was sitting there watching it and being like, oh, wow, this could go so cool or it could go so badly. And, and, and that was really good opening night, seeing the audience enjoy it. Right. And, and it, it ran for a couple of nights and that, that was cool. Cause opening night, I'm sitting there watching it. No idea what these people are going to perform. I just called in some of the best people that I knew hmm. to, to be able to, to do this. And so, yeah. So what to, to wrap it up there, at least, my my long story. I just say anything that would necessarily scare you. Some people will stay away from that. Like, oh man, are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. Um, why why not? Like, also grow. don't let money don't let money be a thing either. Yes, you need money, but make it happen. There's ways to do it out there. If it has to be a little cheaper, still do it to the best of your ability. Go for it. You you can find ways around it. I mean, like with the, with the gambling thing, I I wanted gambling. I didn't know how we were going to do it, but we did find a way. I mean, I think if you ask, start asking enough people, and you know, what? another thing this this was uh, some, somebody told me this one time. If you have something that you want to do, you just start talking about it to people, and just start telling people what your idea is. Like, hey, this is I want to do this because um, because maybe you don't know the solution, but. But maybe, maybe I don't know it, but Nathan, maybe you do. So if I said, like, Nathan, I've got this idea for something and this is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing right now. And I've got this vision and this vision. And you might be like, you know what? I know a really good person that could help with that. Or I would come and see that. Or I'll at least share that on social media when the time comes. That sounds like a cool thing. Here's how I can contribute or whatever. But um, just start talking with people. And you know what? There was a a lady that I knew that ended up having a connection with another person that hooked us up with the casino. Hmm. So it was nobody that I knew directly. It was like four people down the line that, but I talked to somebody, they talked to somebody, they talked to somebody. And before we knew it, we had a pit boss and blackjack dealers. But if you just stay in within your circle of friends, no growth, um, maybe that doesn't happen. It's when you branch out. That that you can you can make some stuff happen. So no, maybe you don't have those resources available immediately, but you might be surprised when you start talking with people at how quickly you can get those resources. Yeah, awesome. Well, April, thanks so much for your questions. Uh, that's actually we're going to wrap up our podcast. But thank you so much for your questions. Um, just to recap, don't be a diva. Don't be a diva. Be team players. Remember, we're an ensemble. It takes a village. It takes a team to create. So leave your egos at the door and come in ready to play and create together. Yeah, it's and remember, you know, you're you're being you're being watched all the time. And sure. part of that is how you get along with people. Are you fun? Are you in a creative environment? Do you bring creativity to the table? I mean, I can just know like if if I see a certain actor coming in that is really fun and think like, oh man, just this whole rehearsal is gonna be amazing. I can't wait to get to rehearsal tonight because I know that we're gonna laugh a lot yeah, and we're gonna create that. a lot. And it can do the opposite if you're like, oh man, I don't have the energy. It's the end of the day. We've got to go into a rehearsal and I know what's waiting. It's gonna be a fight. And yeah. there's nothing that is gonna suck the energy out more than that. So it goes for everybody. Like, you know, please bring your A game that is not just the performance, but just Try to get along. Yeah, just connect. Try to get along. Be a professional about it. And then, April, thanks for the question about us as directors, because sometimes I think we get 
we get lost or forgetful and the, and sometimes the passion that we get to have as directors being able to see our artists perform or taking chance or risk just to do fun and unique things that do challenge us. So thanks for that question and that reminder. It was really nice. And last one, you know, when there is something like that, something that's, you know, scary coming out, um, thank you to the audiences that, that support that yes. because it's like, it's, you know, it's maybe we're doing something experimental and we're trying it and, and you know what, it may succeed, it may fail, but at least thank you for coming out and supporting the efforts uh, because you, you know, we're not, we're not going to have any, any live theater or at least new live theater if uh, nobody comes out to support that. So thank you. Thank you so much everyone. And we will catch you next time on the upstage and gentlemen podcast. Later.